Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. Awards season is going to look a lot different this year, especially since you might recognize even fewer of the nominees than usual. This week, we got the Golden Globe and the SAG nominations. We'll break them down as best as we can. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. We're going back to the Butlerverse for Gerard Butler's new disaster movie, Greenland. Anna Paquin shines in a show that recently debuted on Prime. It's called Flack. And I got a giant new TV and I may never leave my apartment again. But first, David Fincher's Mank has topped the Golden Globe nominations with six nods, while Netflix dominated the announcements altogether, thanks to both its films and television series. The streamer scored the most nominated movie and TV show. Mank. Mank, about the making of Citizen Kane, was the most nominated film. The Crown scored the most TV nods. Your Majesty. Netflix by far had the most nominations in each category. 22 for film, the next closest was Amazon with 7, and 20 total for TV, HBO was second with 7. And once again, a poor showing for the broadcast networks, NBC, the only nomination, one for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist star, Jane Levy. Feeling a hundred things at once. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. The Golden Globes come up in just three weeks from this Sunday. They'll be hosted by Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Now, the Globes are typically the first major show of Hollywood's first award season, which ends with the crowning of the Best Picture winner at the Oscars. They will retain that distinction despite being delayed nearly two months after a surge in virus cases in recent months that pushed the Grammy Awards into March, pushed everything else back. The Hollywood Foreign Press Association said this week the Globes um, will be held bi-coastally for the first time. Tina Fey hosting live from New York's Rainbow Room. Amy Poehler hosting from their normal spot at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills. And it's expected the nominees will appear from locations around the world, just on screens like at the Emmys, I guess. Um, the nominations always have to be taken with a grain of salt, though, because they rarely reflect any sort of critical or even audience consensus. It's maybe the most entertaining TV show of award season, but most people don't really take them seriously like they do the Oscars as far as awards go. For example, Jared Leto is nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Little Things, which we reviewed last week and were disappointed in, and we gave it better reviews than many other critics I read or listened to this past week. Leto has no shot at an Oscar nomination, or does he? Because he is nominated for a Golden Globe and a SAG Award, as it turns out. Now, obviously, it was a super weird year for movies and TVs. Uh, TV, frankly, most movies just didn't come out. Certainly not the blockbusters, not that they get a lot of award nominations. The movies did get released, either went to VOD or were bought up by streaming services, but they didn't get the big release push that they would have in theaters, and many of them flew right under everyone's radars, including ours, a lot of them. Add to that the fact that there probably wasn't a huge appetite for a lot of that stuff. I know I haven't really been craving serious arty movies this past year. Uh, nothing heavy, you know, everything else has been heavy enough. Add to that the fact that quite a few of the movie nominations nominees have still not been released they push the award shows back and so the movies also got pushed back because they do want to be released even if it's just into our homes around award season so you know to try to create some buzz and gather some momentum so with all those caveats in mind brett let's look at some of the nominees for the golden globes for best motion picture drama the nominees are the father mank nomadland promising young woman and the trial of the Chicago Seven. Have you heard of any of those? I've, I've heard of two of them. I've heard of Mank because you reviewed it, and the trial of the Chicago Seven. Did you see that? I know I one did. of my colleagues. Okay, so then you reviewed that as well. Yeah. 
Yep, and those are the only two I've seen as well. Uh, they're both on Netflix right now. They're both good. I really like Mank. You can watch them whenever you want. The Father comes out on February 21st, tentatively, apparently. I think that'll be a VOD situation. Um, that stars Anthony Hopkins. He plays the dad, and uh, he needs help from his daughter as he ages, but he refuses said help, and it's a drama about that. No Bad Land. I've had a harder time trying to figure out when this movie comes out. I saw posters for it in theaters last summer, but uh, I found various things that say it'll be out on, quote, the internet February 19th and or some sort of wide release plan for March 4th. I'm not sure either way. That one stars Frances McDormand. She plays a woman embarking on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. That's the breakdown according to IMDb. I will also point out that a lot of uh, critics and people that really pay close attention to award season are saying that nomad land is sort of uh, the, the thing that's going to win all the big awards this year. So we'll see about that. Promising Young Woman, that is available right now on Video On Demand. You can rent it for $25. It stars Carrie Mulligan as a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past who seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path. Uh, apparently that's pretty good, and I really like Carrie Mulligan, so I might check that one out. That's the uh, nominees for Best Motion Picture Drama. In the comedy category, it gets really weird. We've got... Uh, Borat Subsequent Movie Film, which is on Amazon Prime Video, which we both saw and enjoyed. Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, which is just uh, somebody, you know, they put cameras in front of the Broadway play while it was on and taped it and put it on Disney+, Plus, and apparently that counts. Well, that's very much surprised me, and I don't know how it doesn't just win in a landslide if that's the case, because it's fabulous. There's something called Music, which comes out on VOD on Tuesday. It's a musical directed by Sia, and it stars Kate Hudson. And Brett, I got to say, I was listening to a podcast yesterday um, with these nerdy awards types that do this for a living. They live and die for these things. They had never heard of this before. <laughs> that's how, if they're in the dark, what chance do the rest of us have? I don't know. But that's something to look for on VOD next Tuesday, apparently. A movie uh, called Proms, Palm Springs on Amazon Prime Video, starring Andy Sabberg and Christina Milotti. They meet at a wedding in Palm Springs. Comedy ensues. There's also a twist in that that I won't spoil. I don't know that it's a spoiler, but if I had the choice of watching it without knowing it ahead of time, I would choose that. I've still not watched it. I just know what the twist is. But apparently that's pretty good. That's actually on my watch list on my Prime video. So I will be getting to that. And then on Netflix, something called The Prom, which again is just another musical. I believe that James Corden's in it. I haven't watched that. I won't watch that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I was just looking at that one, actually. Uh, yeah. The cast in that. I think Nicole Kidman is in that. Right. Uh, who else was in this poster? Is that uh, Carrie Washington? I think. Uh, so oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's got a. Oh yeah, Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman, Keegan Michael Key, uh, Carrie Washington, and more. So yeah. So why isn't that more famous? <laughs> yeah, it, it debuted on December 11th. That kind of just flew under the radar. Yeah. So there you go. Those are the nominees. That's a another. It's a weird bunch of movies. It's if this was. Like both categories, well, I, the dramas may be a little bit more promising. I guess the musical or comedy at the Golden Globes is sometimes has a bunch of weird ones. It basically, if you make a musical, you get nominated. 
for that. So there's nothing in there I would really rush out to see. I'd like to watch Hamilton again. Career year for Sasha Baron Cohen, by the way. He, he was in the trial of the Chicago 7, so he gets yeah. nom- his movie gets nominated for Best Drama. And, of course, he is Borat, so Best Comedy or Musical. He also was nominated, I see, as Best Actor in a Comedy for Borat. And he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in, for the trial of the Chicago 7. So even if he doesn't get any awards, that's still a tremendous... Uh, while most of us had lousy years, or many of us had lousy years, <laughs> he, he clearly had a good year. He's going to get a lot of FaceTime on TV when the, when the, while we're watching the award show. For sure. Yeah, so, so that's the movies. And uh, like some years I'm just jacked when the movie nominations come out, and this year I'm just really not. I re- the only one I really want to see is this Nomadland, as far as movies that I've not yet seen. So... There's one thing to look forward to, and again, I have no idea when that's coming out. No one online seems to know for sure when we might be able to lay our eyeballs upon that. What have we got then for the Golden Globes on the TV side? Yeah, so we'll go down here for our best TV series comedy. We have Emily in Paris, a Netflix show, The Flight Attendant on Crave. Crave here, it's an HBO Max show in the States. Yep. Uh, something called The Great on Amazon Prime, Shits Creek, which is on Netflix, and Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV+. Now, I've never heard of The Great. I've heard of all the other ones, of course. I would like to see Ted Lasso, but I don't have Apple TV+, and I'm kind of stretch thin as it is as far as my cable and my streaming goes so that might all just have to wait for a while but i mean i'd be surprised if it wasn't another uh schitt's creek landslide all the actors nominated again like they were for the emmys okay and then on best tv series drama we've got the crown on netflix lovecraft country that's an hbo show and i think you can watch that uh on crave probably on crave right yeah uh, lovecraft country yeah, it, would it was on HBO proper as well. It wasn't on just on their app. Okay, yeah, then yeah, that's and I see it. It's there on Crave, uh, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, Ozark on Netflix, and I'm I'm okay with all four of these nominees so far. I haven't seen Lovecraft Country, but I just trust that if it's on HBO, it is worthy. But this one, Ratched on Netflix, that's that <laughs> Nurse Ratched show. The one flies over the one flew over the cuckoo's nest, sort yeah. of prequel, and you. We both watched, you watched some of it. I watched the whole thing. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I, I think I even said, like, this was a weird sort of daffy show. And that's kind of what made it enjoyable. But beyond that, I thought it was a rather silly experiment. And the fact that it's nominated for Best Drama is just ridiculous. And I've seen a few people say, how does Ratched get nominated? But then there's another show called I May Destroy You, which uh, it seems to be the front runner in terms of the big snub that everybody's pointing to. Again, this is a show I had not heard of. It's a British drama uh, that was produced for BBC One and HBO, and it's set in London. It's about a young woman looking to rebuild her life after she is sexually assaulted in a nightclub. And uh, so I think I'm going to have to look at this because the performances in it were apparently very good. So the fact that that show didn't get nominated, but something like Ratchet did is just ridiculous. So I'm, I was mad when I saw Ratchet nominated. I thought, are you kidding me? Like, come on, Golden Globes, do your homework. I'll, better call Saul's not nominated. I know it's, it's, it's insane. They, they could have picked 200 over other shows over Ratchet like that. It has no business being there, but the Golden Globe, it, it is, it's a beautiful show and it's colorful and the Golden Globes yep. have, you know, they, they, they sometimes go for those uh, those kind of shows, I guess. They also sometimes, especially in TV categories, pick something out of left field 
just sort of like in the hopes of being like ahead of the curve and like, oh, everyone's going to really dig this show at some point and it'll last for five seasons and be a huge thing. But they, but they so they sometimes, I think they're just like guessing it, hoping the popularity of a show will pick up or something. And but it was Ratchet came out months ago, so I don't know why they would pick that. Yeah. That's weird. And just very um, quickly uh, go through best limited series or TV yeah. movie. Uh, the nominees are Normal People, Small Axe, The Queen's Gambit, The Undoing, and Unorthodox. And if it's not The Queen's Gambit, uh, I'll eat my hat. That's that seems like the lock of the night, doesn't it? Yeah, and if I've never, I've only heard of two of the seen, I've only heard of and seen two of them: The Queen's Gambit and The Undoing. I have no idea what the other three ones are, and I quite frankly don't really care. Uh, in a moment, <laughs> we'll tell you about the SAG nominations because the Globes came out on Wednesday, and the SAG Awards came out, I think, like an hour. Before we started recording this show on Thursday, Jeff sent me a panic text saying, hey, they released the SAG Awards today, too, so I'll throw those in. <laughs> so we'll take a look at those next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We just talked about the Golden Globe nominations, but other nominations for awards came out this week as well. The SAG Awards, that being the Screen Actors Guild, and we're just going to tear through some of the big nominees for that. Um it proves that the Golden Globe movie nominations are insane because the SAG Award nominations are almost completely different. The Trial of Chicago 7 on Netflix is the only one uh, nominated for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, which is the SAG's Best Picture Award. The other four nominees are The Five Bloods from Netflix. I saw that. That's really good. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, also on Netflix. It's on my watch list. Minari, which comes out on VOD later this month. Never heard of that one. And One Night in Miami, which is on Amazon Prime Video, also on my watch list. So they've got a different idea of what a good movie is. So there's a couple of good ones there to look forward to watching at least. And then on the TV side, there's a a lot of overlap. The comedy series are almost identical. The Flight Attendant, The Great, Schitt's Creek, and Ted Lasso all nominated. The difference being Dead to Me from Netflix is nominated. You saw and liked that show, right, Brett? I loved it. Yeah, it's tremendous. Two seasons so far. Christina Applegate, uh, career best performance from, from her. Right on. And on the drama series side, um, Ozark, Lovecraft Count, or Lovecraft Country, and The Crown all received nominations for the SAGs like they did the Globes, as well as Bridgerton over on Netflix and AMC's Better Call Saul, snubbed by the Globes, nominated for SAG. So it makes a little bit more sense there in the TV categories. Hey, speaking of TV, I wanted to point out a couple of big new shows debut this week on Global. The first one debuts after the Super Bowl on Sunday. It's a reboot of a reboot. It first aired in the 1980s in a show starring Edward Woodward, then in 2014 and 2018 as a pair of movies starring Denzel Washington. Now, Queen Latifah is the equalizer. What's up with you, Mom? Out of nowhere, you quit your job last month and want to talk about it? Queen of the it's complicated. This new side gig of yours is raising questions to CIA. No one asked. I don't work for them anymore. What are you? Some kind of ex-cop? Queen Latifah is. I'm the one you call. You can't call 911. The Equalizer. Special premiere episode Sunday, February 7th, after the big game on Global. So if you're not familiar with the format, uh, the, the formula of The Equalizer, in this, she plays Robin McCall, a woman with a mysterious background who uses her extensive skills to help those with nowhere else to turn, acting as a guardian angel and a defender for those who cannot defend themselves while pursuing her own redemption. Then on Thursday, February 11th, we get another reboot of sorts in Clarice. You are a woman with a very public reputation. 
Manhattan for hunting monsters. I can't have a reputation. I've only done it once. It's time you own that reputation. It's time to come out of hiding, Starling. So how long has it been? When's the last time you went back to Appalachia? It's been years. A lot of old ghosts. This isn't Buffalo territory anymore, Starling. We do evidence. Not it's a full moon and I've got a feeling. So you'll keep quiet until I tell you. And then you will say what I tell you. DC is living in fear. I know you have your own demons to carry, but you're the only one who can help. Whose stories are worth telling? FBI! Back to the world of the Silence of the Lambs. The show is set in 1993 and dives into the untold personal story of Clary Starling, played by Rebecca Breeds, and she heads back into the field to track down serial killers and rapists while dealing with political nonsense from Washington, D.C. So again, the Equalizer debuts Sunday after the big game, and then Thursday, February 11th, Clarice makes its debut. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we're going back to the Butlerverse. Now, I've slowly been going through the filmography of Master Thespian Gerard Butler. As I've said many times, he fascinates me. He doesn't appear to be a good actor in a lot of movies, but he has a magnetic screen presence. It's a lot of fun watching him choose scenery. He's also in some movies that are very fun, regardless of whatever he's doing. And it's tempting to make fun of Butler, but the blame can usually be traced back to bad writing. And frankly, the lesson I've been learning is that he is a good actor when he's confronted with good material. And he has some good material with his new movie, Greenland. Come on, we gotta go. But the sky's on fire. The inbound comets are being called planet killers. I swear I'm going to get my family to safety. There'll be more planes tomorrow. There won't be a tomorrow. Greenland, rated PG-13. Greenland stars Butler, Marina Baccarin, some kid, and Scott Glenn. It's out now on Amazon Prime Video. It was supposed to be a theatrical release last year. Instead, we're all getting it for free now if you have Prime Video. It's also going to be released on Blu-ray this coming Tuesday if you don't have Prime Video. Greenland is directed by Rick Roman Wah, who made uh, the last movie in Butler's Fallen series, Angel Has Fallen, which is kind of a low-rent, die-hard clone that was still pretty fun. Greenland is decidedly less fun, but it's far more real in terms of the way the disaster scenario is portrayed and the characters behaving inside that scenario. It is a disaster movie not unlike Armageddon or Deep Impact from the late 90s where the Earth is in danger of being destroyed by a giant space rock. In this case, it's a comet named Clark, after sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke. The comet at first is believed to be on a trajectory that will have it pass near Earth. Nothing bad will happen, but it'll look amazing to the naked eye in the sky. However, the calculations are amiss, and the comet starts dropping fragments on the planet. One, which is the size of a football stadium, levels an entire city. Gerard, his wife, that's Bakrin, and their son are 
are watching this on TV with their neighbors. Then Butler gets a notification on his phone that his family has been selected by the government to be taken to safety by the military. This, of course, does not sit well with his neighbors. We see in the very first scene that Butler is a structural engineer. And right out of the gate, I got very excited because the movie opens with him on the job looking at some building blueprints. And whenever he has a simple everyday task like that, maybe involving a prop that's not a gun, he is so noticeably acting that I just have to laugh. It's just so very weird and awkward to see him trying to do something plain, boring, and normal. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is he's an engineer. And someone's decided that he needs to survive in case it is an extinction level event. They will need people to literally rebuild society. And he knows how to do that. So the Butler family loads up the car. They set out for the nearest military base where they will be flown to shelter. Problems ensue. And, and we got two hours of them trying not to die at the hands of the system, at the hands of random jerk holes they meet along the way. And of course, the comet. Now, unlike Armageddon and Deep Impact, we do not see Greenland through the eyes of any hero drillers or astronauts or government officials or scientists or anyone in charge calling the shots about the Earth's response. There are some soldiers, but there's no generals or anything like that. In that sense, Greenland is much more like Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds from 2005 with Tom Cruise. The movie only follows Butler and his wife and kid as they try to navigate what's going on and get to safety. They are confused. They are in the dark about a lot of things, and we are too. It's an immersive way to get you really invested, and for me, it worked like gangbusters. I found the movie tense and nerve-wracking and thrilling. It is not filled with wise cracks or Butler ramping a truck over a ravine or anything ridiculous beyond, you know, the horror of the comet. That's the main rub against the movie, apparently, that it's not a fun action movie like so many of the 90s disaster movies are. No, this is better and smarter than those. And even though there are some tropes and cliches, I mean, when will people learn not to split up in an emergency? It all pieces together and it flows in a way that makes logical sense. It is well written, both plot wise and character wise. It cooks along. The tent scenes have me on the edge of my seat. One of the themes of the movie is that technology fails when you need it the most. And I'm sure we've all got a lot of examples in our own lives on a much smaller scale. But, you know, it'd be nice when imminent death is at our doors if our cell phones would work properly. The other thing that comes up a lot is just how quickly people will turn into jerks. I did find that a little disheartening. You would like to think that in an end-of-the-world scenario, people would be more kind and helpful, but the butlers just don't find a lot of that on their journey. To be fair, that would make for a much less interesting movie, and if our pandemic had never happened, I'd probably not be as sensitive to it, but it's been a long 11 months, and I'm tired of people being selfish jerks in general. All of it combined made for maybe my most memorable viewing experience of the last year. I cheered and jeered. I gave the finger to characters on the screen more than once. I cried twice. It was just a roller coaster of a movie. Butler's performance is terrific. He gives a good every man in a sticky situation kind of performance without getting into the I got to be a superhero thing that guys like Stallone or most other action ours can't help themselves but do. Butler sells it that he's a dad in decent shape, looking out for his family and trying to survive. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Marina Baccarin is great. She's always great. She has some of the toughest emotional moments of the film. Uh, you may, you'll recognize her. She was in V and Homeland and Deadpool. Scott Glenn plays her dad, and they may as well have named the 
character Scott Glenn because he's exactly what you expect. They might not even have given him a script, Brett. They might have just told him to show up, explain the situation, and just let him do whatever he wants because he's just playing Scott Glenn. It's a shame this movie did not get a theatrical release because it is should be one that Butler and everyone else involved are very proud of. Four couch cushions out of five for Greenland. And as far as the Butlerverse goes, Den of Thieves is still his most fun performance. It's also a genuinely good heist movie. Geostorm is the most fun movie overall, but Greenland, I think, is the best overall movie. Well, you you still need to see 300, right? Still on the list. I said I'm saving it for the end. Come on. So what, are you just going to wait until, <laughs> like, until Gerard Butler retires? retires? Or until I catch up to him. Okay. All right. You can't do more than a couple movies a year, right? Fair enough. Uh, it's at 75%, by the way, as of Thursday Boom. afternoon on Rotten Tomatoes, and they say, beware, comets of Greenland. Gerard Butler is here to protect Earth and show audiences <laughs> an improbably entertaining time. So mm-hmm. I am looking forward to this. Amazon very graciously uh, sent us both uh, screener access, but uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, I guess you probably watched it on your laptop. And uh, no, I have my la- well, I have my laptop hooked up to my TV. Oh so. yeah, yeah. They sort of reference that that devices that are, you know, you can hook up to your TV. Well, I only have, in, in, as far as like home electronics go, or computing electronics, I suppose. I have a phone at home. I don't have a laptop. I don't have a desktop. Uh, so or when a I tablet. Pull- don't even have a tablet, yeah. But that wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have been great either, because like I was hoping I would be able to Chromecast it to my television, but there was no Chromecast option, and I'm not gonna sit and watch this whole thing on my phone. So I just no, this is not a good phone movie. No, and and as it turns out, this is a perfect movie for me to watch on my new TV. I got. Uh, I finally. <laughs> people have said this to me for years, and I don't know if you get comments like this. Like, how big's your TV, Jeff? Mine's fifty inch, and uh, lately I've starting to start starting to feel small. Well, Everyone fi- else is getting bigger ones. Yeah, fifty's not bad. Fifty's not bad. But people would say to me, "You only have a, you only have a forty two inch TV." My gosh, that's so funny. When I was a kid, anything over thirty five was ridiculous like if you had a 40 inch tv you were like large and in charge but uh i spent the first five years uh in college and working like the first five years after high school with a 14 inch tv yeah the 50 inches has been suiting me just fine yeah same here i had a 13 inch in my bedroom for years and years when i was a kid and then when i upgraded it i think to a 20 inch it was like wow this is so big but you know it was in my bedroom but now now I've got a 65-inch. I took the plunge, and I went nice. for a big TV. It is gigantic, and it was partly motivated. I think I, I mentioned this, was it last week or the week before? that it was? Yeah, it was last week. The little things, watching this brand-new movie on my television for the first time, it just was lacking some gravitas. So now I'm very much excited to see a disaster movie on my big-screen TV. It... Uh, it really is blowing my mind and this like the smart tv capabilities like i don't even, I, for the most part i won't even need my chromecast at least when it comes to youtube videos because i can just it just like syncs with my television so that's well, can you get the netflix and prime through that as well yeah they're actually so it's go. shaw like with my shaw blue curve pvr i press the uh i don't have a button for netflix or prime but i i just hold down the microphone and then i speak into the remote and say netflix or i say 
Prime. I can't ever say just Prime. I always have to say Prime, like a Megatron talking to yes. Optimus Prime. But on my TV remote, there is a button for Netflix and there's a button for Amazon Prime. And then I was able to go in and download Disney Plus as an app. So I don't have a button for Disney Plus. But yeah, and because I'm streaming it through a 4K device, Prime comes through in 4K where it's a pl- where it's available. Same for right. Disney Plus. Netflix, I think you got to pay extra for the 4K, and I don't know that I am paying the primo rate, so I need to investigate that. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'd recommend taking the plunge because it's uh, it's it's something else. Disney, like I, the first thing I did with with the new TV is I put on the fight the the big fight scene in Avengers Endgame, and uh, I got kind of emotional. I was like, I've always <laughs> wanted such a big TV. Look at, nice. look at Captain America, Avengers Assemble. In a moment, I got to tell you about this great show that just made its debut on, of all things, Prime. This has been a very Prime-heavy show this week. Uh, I think was it last week where it was all Warner Brothers, and now this week it's all Prime stuff. Funny how that works. Details next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. This week, one of the things I watched was a show that debuted on Prime Video two weeks ago. It's a show that has finally made its debut in Canada nearly two years after it debuted in the UK. It's a show starring Anna Paquin, and it's called Flack. The world keeps turning. Come on! We just help push. Don't stop! Keep going! I've got this! If this comes out, I'm dead. Wake up! I don't care if you lie or send innocent people to jail. As long as you're in control, we are the guardians of the galaxy. Go. So this what is. What do you a- know about us? You've got offices in London and LA and New York. You cover everything from media training to brand management and specialising in crisis management. We don't use the word crisis. We call them challenges. I jumped the gun. I forgot where I was supposed to jump in there. LOL. So this is a comedy where Canadian actor Paquin plays an American publicist living in London. Her character's name is Robin, and it's Robin's job to keep her client's personal train wrecks away from the public, and she is really good at her job. Did you see what you were saying about me on Twitter? What's it like under there? Can't we just say it wasn't me? Who's going to issue the denial? You look like the Invisible Man. If managed correctly, the first openly gay premiership football player is going to make millions. But I'm not gay! Do you have a boyfriend? Or yeah, you... a guy called Joe. Jay. But she is not so good with her own life. In fact, her personal life is a complete disaster, and she pretty much manages to hurt everyone she cares about. Why did you have sex with me? To see how I felt. And how did you feel? I didn't. I don't. You ever the feeling there's two people inside you? How did a Philadelphia girl end up in this game? I enjoy it. it. Makes the most of my natural talents. Which are? Lying and drinking. You heard the voice of Bradley Whitford in there. He puts in a notable guest appearance in the fifth episode, delivering, I think, one of his best performances ever. I wasn't going to bother with this show, but one of our colleagues started watching it, Jeff, and uh, was really enjoying it. So I thought, ah, I'll have a look. And I was quickly hooked. 
And that's a good reminder. Don't always base your decisions on Rotten Tomatoes. We share the scores from Rotten Tomatoes just for your information, but make your own decision. Flack, for example, is at 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is decent. But my reasoning was, with so many great shows out there, do I want to take a chance on something that's only good? Well, turns out I thought it was great. First off, the dialogue is sensational. Particularly, there are two supporting characters who really shine on the dialogue front. Robin's co-worker, Eve, who's played by Lydia Wilson, is a promiscuous snob. She's super blunt, but... Elegantly foul-mouthed, and she's priceless. Their boss, Caroline, who is played by Sophie Okonedo, pardon me, is... I'm not actually sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, so forgive me for that. Uh, Sophie Okonedo is icy, cool, ruthless, and again, hilarious. She, by the way, struck me as familiar. Turns out she was in that Ratched show that we discussed earlier on Netflix. She played a woman with dissociative identity disorder on that, and she was brilliant, and she's brilliant in this. We need to see her in more things. Now, the situations Paquin gets called in to fix become increasingly challenging as the season goes on. It's only six episodes, by the way. While the stresses in her personal life tend to become increasingly more stressful. I can relate to this because I tend to work hard at work, but then when I go home, I'm lazy and just terrible at adulting. The fifth episode, as mentioned, the one with Bradley Whitford, is honestly one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in a while. It's entirely set on a plane. She has to try to fix a situation while in the air, and phones aren't allowed, all while dealing with Whitford's character, who is a jerk, and she also has to deal with this other annoying passenger who happens to be an old friend... But he just can't take a hint that she can't talk right now. And it's such a simple thing, but they do such a great job with it because social etiquette can be super tense, right? Like that whole, okay, look, I'm really busy now, but I don't want to be rude to this person who won't shut up and leave me alone, so what do I do? And the way they go about it is genius. The anxiety and tension that mounts through this entire episode... Uh, to a really surprising climax is tremendous. And then the season finale is incredible in the way that they managed to string everything together. So there has already been a second season that's aired on television. The first one aired in the UK and the US. The second one is only aired in the UK last year, last spring. But Prime says that second season will debut at some point this year. So Overall, I really liked this show. If you're looking for something funny with some unique situations and some foul, but not horrifically foul language, take a look at Flack on Prime. And that is all the time we've got this week on the Couch Potatoes. I'm going to take a look at Greenland. I'll maybe give you a second opinion next week. And I got to tell you about this great Canadian show. At some point, I got to tell you that I finally watched the fourth and final season of Cardinal. It's super good. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.